lifestyle all about it. I want to know. I, I want to have double eight, maybe a double, you know, double fifty-four. I found it so boring. Did you? <laughs> I hated it. Unbelievable that woman. I've got so much respect for her, and she would nail it. I think it's in terms of like right now, I think she's got to be up there because she's got the most incredible voice. Hello, and welcome to your dad's favourite podcast. It's Build-A-Bond. I'm Stuart Morrison, and please welcome my co-host. I do not regret a single moment of my life that I spent with you. It's Fraser David McArthur. Oh, what? What are you middle naming me for? I don't know, that's an exclusive for this episode. I don't think we've ever revealed on air what your middle name is. Well, there you go. The cat's out of the bag now, David. Yeah. Should we do your passport number and uh, mother's maiden name as well? (laughs) Uh, How are you, Stuart? Yes, I'm very good. You've just caught me having my tea. Oh, yeah, you're having. uh, I'm having some salmon and I'm having some butternut squash. And being very healthy, Fraser, as you know, uh, we caught up this weekend and we were very unhealthy in everything that we ate so I'm trying to have a bit of a cleanse and detoxify after spending a weekend with yourself and some of our friends. I have no idea what you're talking about but uh, we'll leave that there. Um, uh, Good guest I think we've got coming on tonight. Yes a very exciting guest. I'm looking forward to hearing who they are going to pick to be their James Bond, their co-star, their villain, who they want to direct their Bond film and who they want to perform the iconic theme song because that's what we're here for we're here to build a bond right enough you're so right but yeah this is a, a very exciting guest I don't know about you Fraser but uh, I'm a white person well as you, as you may be able to see the podcast listeners will not but I am also a white person interestingly as well I'm also a straight person yeah uh, and I'm a male right enough yeah this podcast hosting wise it's not very diverse is it no, we could we could be doing better, but we've we've kind of we've made a bit of we try and get as as diverse, not just racial or you know sexual orientation. We try and get a bit of diversity in our guests, and 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 try and get a bit of our guests to have diverse picks in their voice films. That's exactly right, and that's you know the reason that we try and get a broader range of people from uh, different backgrounds, different ages, different countries. Although we are very Scottish heavy, that's okay though. Um, the reason we try and do that is not for you know any specific reason other than the fact that the you know the, the bigger range of guests we have from different life experiences the more diversity we're going to have and the picks that we get for the people's build the bonds and then hopefully the idea is that then it makes a more entertaining podcast for everyone at home it's yeah it's an exercise in broadening my mind and broadening your mind and in broadening the listeners minds yeah it's definitely broadened my mind and my views on bond and what bond can be and what bond can't be and all these sorts of things yeah i think um, i mean like you say obviously it's kind of elementary really for for two white guys to sit and you know discuss racial diversity in terms of you know who should play bond from the comfort of our of our homes but but yes i, th- I do think that this is something I actually i do get quite annoyed about it when when i talk about it and i really hate when people you know come out with the whole Bond isn't black, Pater. I think that's just bollocks, to be honest. Um, and I think that, yeah, Bond hasn't been black yet. But, you know, what gives anyone the right to comment on whether or not a fictional character is acceptable based on the colour of their skin? And people say, 
historically, if you're staying true to the books, you know, the character's a white man, but you need to understand that, you know, that history doesn't just disappear from the record if they decide to cast a black or a brown or female or gay or transgender or disabled actor, you know, to play James Bond. Yeah, I have to say, I totally agree. And I think that that is always the defence or, or sort of the argument that's put up is, oh, it's not true to the books or you can't go, you know, it's, it's not how Bond was written originally. But, you know, Bond, when he was originally written, wasn't Scottish. He wasn't working class. Yet the first Bond to play him was a Scottish working class actor, Sean Connery. So, mm. you know, the very first time they tried to make a film out of the books, they threw they threw out the window what had already been written about Bond. So there's absolutely no reason why they can't continue to do that. Um, you know, Bond was a spy in the Cold War and everything during the books. That's also relevant now. I, I, I don't really buy the argument at all that just because that is how he was written originally in the books, that that's how you should now make a film in the 21st century. Um, so I'd, I'd have to agree with you on that. As much as anything, it's all, it's all about who is right to play the, the character for which they want to, have to make it going forward. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, and there's so, there's so many different people, so such a diverse range of actors out there that it, it would be such, it would be missing a massive opportunity to just say, no, he's got to be a white man. Yeah, that's so right. You're just eradicating a whole pool of amazing talent. You're missing an opportunity for Bond to tell different stories. Bond has been, or the franchise has been incredible in its ability to last this long and to continue to be entertaining and continue to um, surprise us. But you've got to keep changing. You've got to keep trying different things. As long as the things that we love and we talk about as has been, you know, integral parts of Bond. As long as they remain. As long as the soul is still there and the fundamental DNA is still there. You know, I, I'm getting more and more in line with the build a Bond philosophy of no rules and thinking, you know what? There isn't really any rules as to what Bond can and can't be. I hope, and I, I'm, I'm, you know relatively confident that the, the, the films themselves will, will, will start to embrace that a bit more. Um, but we'll see, I suppose. We'll see. That's it. And hopefully our guest tonight, I know he's, he's a, an absolute champion of diversity, so let's, let's hope he, he brings us a good, a good bond. Yeah, 100%. I can't wait. It's going to be hopefully a good uh, chance to discuss these sorts of things, but also just a great laugh to chat to it. A brilliant, fun guest and talk about a film franchise we love. Uh, and all the things that we love about it. Great. Well, before we do, yeah, a bit of Bond trivia, and this is a this is a good one. A wee quiz question for you. Okay, so No Time to Die set a new Bond record for the shortest amount of time that passes before the main villain is introduced on screen in a 007 film. But can you tell me which film holds the record for the longest? Hmm. Very good question. One springs to mind immediately. I'm going to have a think because I don't know if the, if the obvious answer is is always the right one. Good question. What, Very good what, question. What we could do is we could make, we could say, go for the top five and see how many of the top five you can get. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. That, that, that's, that's a nice way to do it. Top five longest times before you see the villain in a Bond film. Right? Excellent. Cool. So unless you're driving, pick up your phone, get IMDB on, and we will welcome in our very special guest, for today's Belt of Bond. Tonight's Bond is going to be built by someone who may well be our most esteemed guest yet. 
He's BAFTA nominated, was the recent recipient of the BBC One Extra Future Figures Award, joining the likes of Lewis Hamilton, Stormzy and Alice Deering. It's all very well listing his achievements, but the truth is he's thoroughly deserving of them. He's the man behind the first black and minority ethnic production company in Scotland, giving the film and TV industry north of the border a much needed boot in the bum for diversity. It's really a thrill to have such an inspirational figure in our midst, and I can't wait to find out what his Bond film will be like. So here comes Mr. Stuart Chasimere. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Stuart. Very excited to have you. How are you? I am well. I am well. Looking forward to this. Good, good. I mean, we just talked there, or, or Fraser just introduced you uh, as someone who's you know been such a champion of diversity in Scotland. It's just a bit disappointing that on this podcast, we don't have a diversity of names and we've got two Stuarts. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't get too confusing. <laughs> Am I right in thinking you are, are you're close, closely related to one of our previous guests? Yes, Junior uh, Hansen. Junior Hansen is my younger cousin by two months. Um, we grew up together. Jean's um, originally from Port Glasgow. I stayed with Jean, my aunt, her family for a few years before I moved over to, to Glasgow. And um, yeah, we've we're very very close family, very close relatives, and I'm proud to I'm proud to see what she's doing, and I've watched her watched her go from Disney Channel in 1999 to where she is now, um, being nominated for a BAFTA, and I see that she was on Mastermind recently as well, which is to me she's made it when she's on Mastermind. Absolutely, that's so cool. And Jean, Jean, we had such a great laugh with Jean, uh, and she gave us a a really great build a bond episode that we you know, we kind of cherish as one of our favourites. Yeah, she's, she's great. Yeah, so it was such an enormous laugh having Gina on, so it's cool to, to have you as well. And um, I suppose the question we always start with, and it'd be really great to hear from you as well, uh, are you a Bond fan? Do you consider yourself a fan of the Bond franchise? You know, you know, Bond is a funny one. It's, 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 a, it's a staple British film. You know, you can't not like it, no matter how much, you know, obviously it's been around for many, many years. Um, but yes, I am a, a Bond f- fan, not not more so the Daniel Craig mo- movies. I'm talking about years back with Fierce Bosnan, etc. So I always felt like, I don't know, it's a funny one, but I always felt like Bond should be like a really handsome, good looking chap like Piers. And I think when I seen um, Daniel Craig, I'm like, something doesn't feel right. He just, he's a big guy, but... Harsh on Daniel Craig. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you know what I mean. Just that suave kind of. I think Pearson did it really well. I think that suave, yeah. good-looking, sophisticated. I don't know if Daniel Daniel nailed it, but anyway, who am I? <laughs> to be fair, I think he'd be the. He'd maybe. Well, I don't want to speak for him, obviously, but he'd maybe be the first to admit he's not maybe classically handsome. I think he's a good-looking guy, but he's not exactly as you say. He's not like Pierce Brosnan, you know. Yeah, it's a like, different, a different, a different approach. It's good to see. What, I'm looking forward to see who the next Bond is. Yeah, that's true, and it's. Uh, I think now, well, when we're recording this, after no time today has come out, we've still not announced who the next Bond's going to be. So I think from now until they do, it's just going to be like speculation, crazy. Who's yeah, it, you know this person? The odds go up for that person. You know, it's yeah. I've got a few, people, few ideas. Hopefully, there's a few coming to play. Excellent. Okay. Good. This, have you have you got like? early memories of I mean I, I have no idea what age you are Stuart but what, what what was your kind of bond growing up were you a Brosnan era were you Timothy Dalton or Roger Moore which I had to be Brosnan really um most definitely just 
just the little things like he just the, his little one liners and you know jump from a bridge onto a yacht and just appear and just fix his like collar and he just had that really portrayed Bond well so yeah I would say yeah but Brosnan's probably the one for me it's a the thing with Bond films is even if you're not a fan or you don't or even if you actively don't like them you can't escape them because they're everywhere you know cinema TV huge franchise have you seen the new one I know you, you know you're a busy man but have you seen the new one yet no, I've not. Unfortunately, not. No, have you guys? Yes, we've seen it. So we know to not give any spoilers away here. So we'll keep you. We'll keep you in the secrets, as it were. Yeah, it's also nice from my perspective, anyway, to have another Pierce Brosnan fan on as well. Something I think he can be a little. I mean, I think it's true of all of them. They can be kind of hot or cold. People, you know, can feel strongly either way about all of the bonds, but in particular, Pierce Brosnan. People who love him, yeah. love him. More of a cheesy kind of uh, yeah. comedic vibe to it, you know. It's got that. It's not got that. It's not compared to 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 Daniel Craig. It's not as hard hitting or edgy, you know. It's mild. I like I like Brosnan. Doesn't take himself too seriously. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But, you knew what you were getting with him. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Pierce Brosnan is is just his face whenever he's in pain. <laughs> when he's acting pain, he, he's got a really funny face, and I think it <laughs> works really well for Bond. And he, have you seen him now as well? Like now he's like. My goodness, he's still, he's still got it. It's unbelievable. I know, he's exceptionally yeah. handsome now, yeah. I would say even even more handsome now than he was. It's that mature, that, that maturity, isn't it? That's what yeah. happens with the Bonds. It's just this is part, of, part of the package. Maybe he'll be the next one. They'll bring him back. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, let's, without any further ado then, let's uh, let's have a cheers. I don't know if you've got if you've got a drink there, Stuart, but we'll have a... It's tea. Tea? But, yeah. tea. Yeah. How'd you take it? Uh, milk, 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 no, no sugar. No sugar, sweet enough. Sweet enough, that's it. Let's start building your bond. You've got an empty studio in front of you, imagine that. Okay. You, you, which wouldn't be difficult for you because you are a director. Um, and Barbara Broccoli has come up to you and said, Stuart, I want you to make the next James Bond film. Who are you going to cast as James Bond? You know, there's two people, there's two. And, you know, his name has been thrown about all over the place. I'm all about diversity, as you guys know, but it's not even just about the diversity. It has to be Idris Elba, a really good friend of mine um, who I'm currently in business with and we're making content together um, over the next few years. is an actor called Colin Salmon, who and he was tipped to be the next James Bond um, years back. And was he, he? Yeah, he was, yes. Um, and he would kill me if he knew I didn't pick him. But there's, my, there's, there's the reasons for it. He's going to kill me for saying this, but it would just be more so to do with age, you know, but but if it was, if, if Colin was slightly younger, then it would be Colin, but I would have to go with Idris. Of yeah. course, build a bond, so there are no rules. So if you wanted to pick Colin, but, you know, at a younger age, you can, do, you know, this, the film doesn't have to be realistic. You can, you know, chop and change. You can pick Colin age 30. You can pick him, you know, a few years ah, later. Something about Idris, though. Something about yeah. him, though. He <laughs> just has that. He has everything, I think, when it comes to He's matured well. He's he's a funny man, and he has the looks, and he he has the physicality, and you know I think he embodies it well. Colin just as well. I think Idris has to be the one for me. It's one of those things that I think you mentioned it as well. His name gets thrown around a lot, and you hear it a lot, and there's lots of speculation about it. But there's a reason for that. You know, it's it's not just out of the blue. It's not just a, a random pick. It's because. All the things you've mentioned, he's so charismatic, he's obviously incredibly good looking, fantastic actor, has the kind of suave and the swagger 
you know, I don't think it's one of these names that gets thrown around for the sake of it. It gets thrown around because it's genuinely people can look yeah, at him and think yeah, this is Bond. You could imagine it. You could imagine. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy around it. However, I I could see it happening. I would, I would pick him. He'd be my one of my first. Him and Colin. I'd chat to them both. Audition them both. Yeah. <laughs> I think um I think even I think Pierce Brosnan is even on record as saying that he thought Colin Salmon would be a good choice for Bond as well. And obviously, so he worked it was in his movies, is that right? That that Colin Salmon was in. So he's obviously worked with him closely. And he said uh, after Pierce Brosnan was finished, he said, you know, someone that I'd like to succeed me or someone who would do a good job would be Colin Salmon as well. No, he most definitely he I'm six foot four, right? And and um remember when I met him, he's the same height as me, but he's just He's a big, big man. He just hold has so much presence, and we were we were walking about London, and he was getting stopped every. You know, I know Colin is a, a celebrity, but when I went down to visit him, you know, walking about London, he was getting stopped every two minutes, and people taking pictures, and, and just presence about him. He's just a gentleman. He's a chap. I think they, they could be missing a trick with him. I've asked him if they've if they've ever been approached, and he just kept quiet. So I don't know what they need what they make them sign when you when you talk yeah. on with like the broccolis, you obviously have to sign some sort of sort of like like an NDA. blood somewhere, yeah, to never reveal because <laughs> yeah, everyone's so Canadian blood or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Okay, so I mean, is it is it decided? Are we going for Idris? I would or... say, I give you my reasons why, but I would say let's just go with Idris. Let's, yeah. let's do that. Let's go with Idris. Poor Colin. We um, <laughs> find find another role for Colin. Uh, gonna... Obviously, I. I as we've talked about, you're you're an absolute champion of diversity. Is it important to you to have a black bond or a minority ethnic bond? No, it's the, it's important to me to, for me to have the right bond. You know, the right bond. You know, obviously they don't need to have that all fit into that carbon copy. They can have their little nuances and little you know things that make them different to the, the, their their predecessor however no it has to be the right bond and i think we just we spoke about charisma we spoke about you know personality we spoke about physicality etc so i think it just definitely embodies all of that so no it's no i would i would be the first to go if you are booking uh casting an actor because of their skin color then that you are people going to watch the movie no they'll, they'll going to be watching looking out for a good performance and I feel that like um Idris Elba's back catalogue has enough in there to kind of solidify the fact that he should potentially play play Bond. Yes I think that's right and we were, we were chatting about it earlier Fraser that regardless of what, what your view of what, what, what race what gender you know Bond should be you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're just then cutting out hundreds upon hundreds of really great quality actors for no reason, you should be looking for whoever you think could do the role best, whoever you think is, is kind of the best actor of the moment uh, for that role, regardless yeah. of uh, you know of what their background is. So I think no, and it's funny that because because um as you said, it's you know there's obviously a lot of controversy out, uh, controversy out there about it, but you'll find that the majority of the, that controversy comes from people who believe that Bond should be from this particular background, you know, and um, times are changing. And he is a number, you know, 007, you know, so anyone can fit that bill. It could be a female. It could be if when skin color starts to get into it, then we're not no longer talking about the skill of an actor. We're talking about how they look. And that's that's fickle, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And um, we could talk about Idris Elba all day. And 
all his different his roles in, in his in his career, you know, which which has spanned decades now. Was there anything? Is there any roles in particular of his that, that you've absolutely loved? Anything that really stuck, uh, stood out to you? Any roles? Was he was he um he he was in the wire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that gangster kind of bad boy role, he can play very well, but he's also um he's also played some some kind of sophisticated characters as well. So I would say. You know, it's funny with Idris because if you look back, years back, celebrities didn't have the opportunity to go on social media. You'd gauge their personality by watching their, by watching their social media posts or whatever. Before it was what, however the media portrayed them, you know, and whatever paparazzi was out and about. Mm. So with, 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 with Idris, it's also his social media status and his videos and his music and just him as a person outside of acting it's also that that's kind of ticking that box for me because he is genuinely um well from my I, I can see anyway you know when I speak to Colin he says everyone thinks that I'm a chap but I'm not you know I'm from the punk era I'm from I've been through this and I've been through that Colin's basically saying look um people think I'm a chap I can obviously portray and per- portray that persona but at the same time I could cut it with the man down on the street so if you don't mean by that yeah. So I think that's the kind of bond you need, you know, that's the kind of character. And that's what, what, what for me, um, Idris Elba um, portrays, you know, I can imagine him in a tuxedo and I can imagine him fighting on the, <laughs> on the street. I can imagine him at a dining table, you know, I think he's got, he, he, he's got that, he covers all of it. Yeah, for for me it's Luther. I I just can't, I, you, you've watched Luther and he's, he's totally bond, like he's got that attitude and he's got the, total presence and he just commands everything and he's you know when he walks into a room he's the king of that room it's that it's that coat it's that um coat as well isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that coat as well as soon as he puts that on he has this whole yeah and he's not even a tall man i think he's like six six foot one or something but he just has this presence again as i was saying saying again so luther was um he was exceptional in that he really did own that and i'd love to see more more of that kind of context context from him and you can imagine like with with it's funny because i'm going to mention colin again but i'm speaking to colin he gets asked to play detective or police officer roles there's just something about those kind of people that just they just should be a detective or should be someone and you know to go and catch the criminals and if they're not catching the criminals and the other person being being caught you know there's that edge that i think is really really good so luther yeah, I think as well, with, especially Idris Elba, and I suppose Colin as well, it's like the authority that they have that makes them so well suited to like a police kind of role. Kind of what Fraser mentioned about the, the presence on screen, their presence in a room. They have a certain authority about them that makes them so good for these kind of roles. Uh-huh. Oh, definitely. Amazing. Cool. Let's let's hear more about your film then, Stuart. Let's uh, go next on to what we call the co-star role. So traditionally, it was what was always considered the Bond girl role. But because we're Builder Bonds and we don't want to set any rules on your picks, we we just call it the co-star. You can go, you know, wherever you want. You can do a Bond girl. You can do something else. You can do a kind of whatever you whatever's right for your film. Whatever's right. Whatever's right for the film. Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just be controversial and go with Letitia Wright. You know, Letitia Wright. I'm just gonna go with Letitia Wright because I imagine with this Bond, right, his background. Obviously, he's black, right? So I, I would love to show, in the film, I would like to go back and do a little backstory. Um, so that could take you back to Jamaica or it could take you back to Africa or it could take you back to Brixton, let's say, right? Or take, or maybe he was a well-educated man and it was 
Oxford. Okay, so the people that he's around will be other black people. So for some reason, I imagine that he finds the Bond girl within that community. That's the way, that's the premise I would take it. And then I would take the two out of there. Um, but yeah, I would go with Letitia Wright as a co-star. I don't want to say Bond girl because it's funny because the Bond girl are very, you know, stunning, tall, beautiful women. I'm not saying Letitia Wright isn't, but she's obviously got a lot more. I think she has a lot more depth. So I would throw Letitia Wright in there. Um, she She's... I think she's going to be the next Black Panther. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So she was in the like the original Black uh, Black Panther and in the adventure films and stuff. And I think I'm, I'm never up to date with exactly what's going on in the Marvel universe, but I think that's right. Yeah, she's going to be yeah, there. She's playing. She's currently playing. Playing. She's in. I think she broke, broke her leg or something like that. But no, she's currently cast for playing that huge role. Yeah, that that would be really good to see because obviously was very curious to see where they would go with that character after Chadwick Boseman passed away, that's, that's a really, because, yeah, I mean, she kind of was the sort of, the co-star of that, I suppose. She was yeah. the, the second in command, if, if you will. Um, so, yeah, that'd be really cool, actually, to see. Yeah, it'd be nice. Um, but, yeah, it'd be really cool to see her as a Bond girl as well, or a, or if it's not if it's not a love story, then you know there's there is a background at least. And there's a background. There's something. If it's not a love story, then there's, there's a connection that they have. Obviously, there's a much wider age gap there, but I don't know what the connection would be. I need to sit and write it. <laughs> <laughs> she she strikes me as playing a, a role, you know, right in the heart of the action. She's going to be, you know, out in the fields, getting in fights, all that kind of stuff. She, that's how. Yeah, and maybe she she you wouldn't you would never think that she's very she's very short and kind of thin. So so you, you'd be shocked the fact that she can actually defend herself, and that's what's intriguing about her. Yeah, and surprising. Obviously, and obviously, she's a great actress. Let's not, you know, if you've seen her in Small Axe Mangrove, you've seen her in Black Panther, you've seen her in, you know, she's a really, really good actress with, with depth. She really does know how to how, how to play her role. So, and outside of it, again, outside of, you know, acting and just in social media, she she has a lot to say. You know, she's very, she reminds me of my cousin Jean, actually, who's, 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 you know, doesn't take crap from anyone, you know, just knows what she wants, a strong, strong black woman. So I believe someone like Bond should have that strong black female beside him. And I think that's the reason why I would cast the two of them together. Yeah, I think, I think I remember a few years ago, she won, she also won a BAFTA for like the Rising Star Award. Um, and I remember seeing her, her, very emotional uh, speech that she made when she accepted the award. I think I'd seen her in a few things at that point. I'd seen her in, was she maybe in Black Mirror? Yeah, she was in Black Mirror as well. Yeah, she was very good in that. Yeah, um, and a couple of other things. And I, and yeah, you kind of got that that bit of spark. You kind of, mm-hmm. there was, watching it, you were like, yeah, there's there's something special coming yeah. here. She's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah she, and she, she is. And she is, yeah. <laughs> she is, I'm so, so proud of her, yeah. Letitia and Idris so far. Letitia and Idris. Okay. Formidable lineup so far. Mm-hmm. Disappointed, obviously, for Colin. And disappointed that uh, there's no role for Jean either in it. You know, she could have <laughs> <laughs> Because it does, it, we, we, just, it doesn't need to be actors. So it could just be. Does it have to be actors? No. It'd be nice if it was, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Cool. So let's go next on to villain. Who you want to cast as your Bond villain? Who would be the villain? It'd have to be Tom Hardy. It'd have to be Tom Hardy. Just from what I've seen Bane, I just, I just, do you know why? I think it would be cool to have Tom Hardy because you would look at Tom Hardy and go, well, 
could he he because Tom Hardy's a great selection for Bond. Like he is mm-hmm. definitely the top five for me. You know, hundred percent, he would be perfect for for the role. Um, so you'd be looking at, at Tom Hardy, and the way I would cast Tom is it wouldn't be your typical. He looks like a villain. Look at this man; he's a villain. He would be suave and sophisticated like Bond as well. So you'd look at these two men standing beside each other and going, they're very similar. He he one of one of them's the villain, but you'd look at the two of them going, they could play each other. They could play each other. And that's the thing that that's what I like about Bond is having that edge, whether they they're, they're on the cusp of bad bad and good. It's like the way I look at it is like when they get um, criminals to work with the with the police force to help them. You know these criminals are are, are good. You know these criminals are great fraudsters or whatever they gangsters, whatever they may be. But if they had went down the a different path, they'd be very successful businessmen or whatever it may be. You know, so I think having having characters that potentially could be on the cusp of being a villain. It's very interesting, and I think Idris Elba and Tom Hardy are perfect for that. You know, so for example, like imagine a, a scene where you know Tom Hardy's starting to realize that that Idris Idris Elba is very similar to him in a way, um, and only he knows that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a perception of Bond as this sophisticated man, but Tom Hardy, I think, would be be perfect for it. That's when you would see a great a great performance. I feel because um, the, the ladies, you want the ladies to love the villain as well. As I'd uh, be attracted to the villain as well, instead of some some random angry man, you know, <laughs> some random old guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm kind of feeling a bit. I'm, I'm liking your little sort of twist here. So maybe is there going to be maybe in this film a bit of Idris uses Tom to maybe you know, like you were saying, like the, using the criminal to solve the crime. Yes. And there's a bigger sort of some, there's something bigger going on as well. Something bigger. What you could what, what it could be is what the big bigger thing is is that they actually um let's say let's say Tom Hardy was 004 or something or 006 or maybe Pip to be 007. Maybe I'm a training. Oh, I don't know how they bloody recruit these people, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe whatever training they, they go through, Tom Hardy has went through as well. And at the last stage, he's out. Hence the reason. Hence the reason him being an angry man. So when they meet each other in a gunfight or fist fight, they know what the other's going to do next. And then you find out why it was Idris that was picked to be 007. You find that out later on because they actually were very good friends growing growing up. So yeah, this uh, I'm liking this actually. I want to see yeah. this. <laughs> This is a, I'm seeing it like, you know, they're, they're very sort of quite similar people, you know, you know, personality wise, they're quite similar. And Idris looks at like Tom Hardy and he's like, you know, if, if it had gone the other way, I kind of would have ended up maybe sort of the same, not down the same route as him, you know, the, the sort of, but for like a slight change of circumstances, like they could have been in each, each other's position. Exactly. Can you imagine a scene where maybe someone's at a bar and you just see the, their point, point of view and then it's a beautiful woman or whatever and she's saying bond welcome bond's here and it's tom hardy that you actually see and you're thinking because you assume that that's bond but it's actually not it's um idris elba then walks in because that person maybe knew tom hardy from i'm gonna keep saying training camp but it sounds so pathetic (laughs) (laughs) fine please find me a bit better work better terminal school uh spy school there we go (laughs) So maybe someone knew him from Spy School and just assumed he would be it, but it's not. It was Idris, so 
all right, okay. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I like the, the sort of misdirection there of, yeah. That's it, yeah, making you think that, yeah, who is who is the, who is the Bond? Like, do you, yeah, do you have something? Maybe post a campaign where it's the two of them beside each other looking the exact same. Oh, and that, in the film, you don't even know who the real Bond is. That'd be so good as well, because as you said, it's like, they're the two names, like the two big names that are put up to be like the next Bond, but they announce both names, but don't reveal like which one's actually going to be the Bond. Oh, that's like a or, or, or like, I mean, how do you become 007? Do we see it just at the stage before the 007 is being picked? And this is where we catch up in the movie where you're seeing the both of them as friends. What happens for them to then, that's where the backstory comes in. What is it that happens in Spy School? And then you just see Tom Hardy just flip. And Tom Hardy has those eyes, doesn't he? He has that, yeah. he has that look where he can look past you. That is the moment where you realise, oh, wait, this guy's a bit of a, a, bit, a, bit, a bit of a psycho, which, which, yeah. which it just doesn't have. It just doesn't have that stare, that deep stare where you go, this guy has got a lot in his mind. Tom Hardy definitely has that. Hence the reason why he'd be a perfect Bond villain. He has this thing about him, this unpredictability on screen. Yes. You know, Tom Hardy, you just think anything could happen here. Exactly. Is that a hint? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking about this and going, this is, I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I love that that idea. I mean, it was kind of a, a an amalgamation of the Stuarts that came up with that there. But like that idea that, they don't tell you who Bond is going to be until the film comes out. No, the film comes out exactly, and it's the two of them, and then one of them is going to be the villain, one of them, one of them's, you know, from the same spy school. I think that would be great. And then the, the ladies get best of both worlds, don't they? They get their Tom and they get their Idris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There'd be cues outside the cinema to go and watch that. I think, um, I mean, Tom, let's talk about Tom. Tom Hardy, he, yeah, he is, he is up there and the, the sort of one of the favourites to be the next Bond. But I, I, I would prefer him to be the villain. I think. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. I think he has more. He, he's got less of the less of the calm and collected Bond, and more of the yeah, like you say, that stare past the the sort of crazy eyes, like looking looking yeah. past you and kind of that threatening yeah. something. Yeah. And that that's that's what the Bond villain needs, you know, because 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 when you hear the when you hear villain, you think you know, guy in the, you know his, his big chair and he's stroking the cat, you know, we're probably past all of that. Yeah, you know, it doesn't need to be a male anymore. It could be a be a female. It could be you know things have changed. So um, having someone like Tom Hardy that has that sophisticated swag, good looking man who could play Bond, but then. He's got this deep stare. He's got he's just got a lot going on in there. You can tell that he's been affected in his childhood. That's I think that's more engaging than seeing a physical. Oh, he's a he's typically the Bond villain. Look at him. He looks like a villain. I want it to be someone that doesn't look like a villain. I want it to be someone that could play Bond. I like yeah, it. yeah, I really love that. I like yeah, for everything you've described, that is such a cool like character and someone that Tom Hardy. Yeah, with hundred percent, I think with, with Neil because he he's got those two sides to him. He can he, he can play a hero and he and he and he fits that. But as Fraser said as well, I love him playing a villain. I think he does that so well. Amazing, great at it. Cool. Well, this is great. This is a uh, it's good when we get like an actual filmmaker on who can. Yeah, backstories. It's because when you're talking about it, you're watching it in your head. That's what I was saying when we're creating content. With, mm -hmm. with other other filmmakers um because we shoot as well um kind of we're self-shooting shooting directors on set so you kind of 
see the scenes and you and then when you're watching it you, you have you have to always think for me it's always about the backstories like okay I see you here now but how did you get here so when they take you back to like childhood or take you back to spy school I would love to see how you, someone becomes 007 and I'm going is it a 006 004 I want to meet double five double four three two one like what's that all about I want to know I, I want a 008 movie out double you know double 54 now my wife stopped why stop you know see it What's the maximum we can go to here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And you tell, like, great that you came on and you had your picks and you, you thought of a few things in advance. But, like, all the things you've discussed so far today, that's just been, like... Oh, that's off the top of the Coming top of your head, just coming up with that. Top, top of the head, yeah. We have, we have people that come on to the, the podcast, and I won't name any names, of course, because we love all of our guests mm. who spend weeks and weeks thinking of their film and planning their plot lines. And most of them, they're not even half as good as what you just came up with. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just that generally I'm going, I would love to see a movie poster, the two Bonds, both in tux, both in tuxedos like Fraser, you know, um, just a deep stare. So how come you never cast me then? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you're too young, Fraser. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> good save. Cool. Let's go, let's go on to then. Um who you're going to have bringing the whole thing together, who you want as your director for this film. That's my director. See, it's a, it's a good one. I'm not going black this time. I'm staying away from that just now. Uh, I would go with... Who would I go with? Uh, it would have to be... Fincher. It'd have to be Fincher, wouldn't it? It'd have to be him. He loves his um, CGI. You know, he loves, yes. his, uh, he loves his um, messing with your mind. You know, and he'd be perfect, especially when we're talking about what bond is it and, you know, what way they're going. He would be perfect for something something like that. I think his, the depth of his work is just, we, we don't, you know, we all know what he's he's uh, famous for, but he loves his twists. He loves his... Um, it's psychological as films, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like it's not even left of centre. He just comes out at it with a totally different a different angle and also his use of cgis i really love as well is, is really good that that twist that you've got the who is bond twist that is quite david finchery like isn't it it's a bit yeah. like fight club it is it's a bit like fight club yeah it's fun it's funny that and and yeah he would he would be he would be and actually he, i know i keep talking about the cgi but see if you look at some of these films you would never know the amount of work that went into it like he's really big he's really big on that you know. I, I hadn't realised that either and uh, only like having been you know, a Fincher fan for a while and, and watched his films and then finding out later on you know in fact everything he does like any blood splatter any like just like tiny little bits and pieces that you think what's up you know why bother doing CGI he does and he, and he uses CGI for like so much stuff that you just would gloss over yeah, if you, you'd if gloss if you over know. exactly and the yeah. there's, a re- there's a reason for it it's very particular very detailed you know he's one of these directors that He's always he's he's there throughout the whole edit. He's there throughout the whole post production process. You know, it's it, it, um he's very he's very invested. But he definitely you're right, Fraser. I think he he would be he's the guy to kind of pull off the who is which one is it who is Bond. You know, and through through his art form and his palette and his overall look of films as well, such a high end look and feel and this aesthetic. That I think is definitely ready for a modern day Bond Bond movie, and he's looking at his movies. They always felt ahead. His movies de- genuinely do feel ahead of their time. Mm. 
you know, um, and imagine if I'm saying that his movies are ahead of his time, imagine him making a Bond movie, would that be something that would be ahead of its time? So like Finch would be making it now, but thinking about what that's like five years, 10 years, 15 years down the line. And that's the kind of people that, that's the kind of movies you want to watch where you're watching it in 15, 20 years time and going, God, this looks like it just came out. Yeah. Today, you know? So I think Fincher would, would make his um, route for both of them being Bonds and them not being Bonds, if you know what I mean by that. You know, yeah. he'd make you decide who you want the, that Bond to be. Yeah, Fincher, definitely. Oh, good yeah. shout. Great. Is that, you know for yourself out with the world of Bond and everything? Is that like a filmmaker that you look up to and you would... Yeah. yeah technique? And... I think also, like, yeah, just his technique and his overall approach is what I really admire. I really admire that. I think he's famous for ridiculous amounts of takes. Um, yeah. I think that's also, yeah, part of the reason why he uses so much CGI because he can't use, like, you know, a lot of stuff that if he's doing so many takes, like, if there's, like, lots of, like blood spill or there's lots of like mess or something you can't like keep you doing it over and over again so using the CGI to, to sort of like keep the continuity going yeah no that's an absolute night continuity is one that's from from i work on um dramas as well as documentaries and just the continuity alone is so stressful it could be anything in the movie you know you have to take pictures of absolute the last scene, everything, how far the drink was filled or where all of these little props were placed. And, you know, sometimes you have like two two people working on continuity, continuity alone. So mm. you can imagine just going, do you know what, sack that, let's just get the, let's just get the post-production team in, you know. Fix post. Yeah, I like, I like um, directors that tell, look to tell real stories, you know, biopics and that's kind of stories I like. But Fincher's definitely up there. Someone I respect. Yeah, Fincher, Fincher did the the biopic for um, I can't remember his name now, but the guy that wrote Citizen Kane. Yes. Yeah. Mank Herman Mankiewicz. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yes. also the, the I guess Social Network was like a bit of a biopic as well. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, if you read up on it, I don't know how close it was. I, I heard that Zuckerberg watched it and went, mm, "Yeah, I guess." Wasn't <laughs> really blown away, but from at. It's a, it's a great movie, but I, I'm also into cinematography and colour grading, etc. So from a cinematography and colour grading perspective, that movie is right up there. Yeah, yeah, I think it looks, mm-hmm. the aesthetic of it and everything is so like, like the colour palette is so crisp and kind of like, it feels, like I think we mentioned before, like, it feels ahead of its time. That's how that film felt yes, when it came out, you know. Uh, yeah. Another great pick. And that is, yeah, and, and a good pick as well in, in terms of the broad context of your film both because of the kind of storyline you'd mentioned feels kind of finchery, but also working with big actors, you need a big director as well. To, oh, you do, you do. Uh, would you ever do it? Would you ever, if somebody came up to you and asked you to do a director Bond film, would you do it? Before this, no. Because <laughs> of this, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I want to see that. I'm yeah. good to go right here. I want to see that campaign. I want to, see, I want, why not give us something that different where it's like, okay, it's not, you know, you're getting your, you're catching the story just before we get the bond. We, uh, we're going to say Spy School again, but I would love to see that backstory. And I'd love to see that they were both friends at one point. I, I would love to see that. And then Tom Hardy and Idris, come on. And Letitia in there. Perfect. Yeah, that's it does sound pretty bloody good, yeah. <laughs> taking, taking us away then from the, the cinematic side of things for just a moment to talk about the music. Obviously, a big kind of part of Bond is the, the theme song that comes with it. 
Are you a fan of the Bond theme songs broadly? Yeah, yeah. Funny enough, I was um we're watching an audience with Adele recently, and um I said to my other half, I said Adele, she's made a, a Bond, a Bond um theme tune, and she's like, yeah, um yeah, I've always been a fan. They're very, they're very powerful and very kind of what's the word? How do you get the best way to describe them? Cinematic. You know, mm. it's a hard one to go because you you want to say to, you want to say to yourself, do you continue going down that that down that theme or do you switch it up musically? So, you know, <laughs> Sia, is how you pronounce her name? Yeah, yeah. She is the to me, she's the best female singer alive right now and one of the best songwriters. You know, she's just unbelievable. That woman, I've got so much respect for her, and she would nail it. She would be perfect for a point of her voice, everything. You know. Um, She's written for the likes of Rihanna. She's, she's had so many hits for for years. Um, she would be she would be perfect, and she would go all out to make sure that that was a you know. Yeah, perfect. I think it's in terms of like right now. I think she's got to be up there because she got the most incredible voice. And sometimes I feel like, especially like a little earlier on, like some of the songs she did, she did a lot of like kind of pure pop songs and stuff like that. It never felt like it made the most of her voice because it is so incredible. And I also know, yeah, as you mentioned before, she had kind of her own career as a performer. She wrote so much and had so many hits, like for other people as well. Um, that seems like, yeah, feels like, I wouldn't say probably for me, like I, I don't often sit down and, you know, I'll listen to Sia. I'd be someone that I would like go out of my way to listen to. But, you know, you can't argue with her vocal talent. You can't argue with her career. Yeah. It's funny because she, she um, has an interest in directing you know, she directs her music videos. You know, she there's this controversial film that came out with Maddie, who she always works with, the dancer. That's right, um, yeah. But you know that that song, Elastic Heart, which which is came out a few years back, that featured Shia, the book band, Maddie in the cage. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One point one point one billion views. So did she direct that as well? She directed that, but she ah. directed. She directs all of her music videos and she directed yeah. that film she directed that film as well um that came out um so i hadn't realized that that's yeah do you know what, actually now that you've said it and now we've sort of thought about it a bit i think if sia had sang this is not to try and put put down billy eilish but if sia had sang that song the no time to die song i feel like it would have been a more attractive song of course of course she's the best honestly she is the best she, her voice is unbelievable, and I think she, her voice just has so much more character. Bill Eilish is, is great, but I think sometimes some people are cast because of their popularity at the time. Mm, I think absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes the, the the issue there. I think what was important, you mentioned it as well. Like she would make a, a song that really like embraced the film, and you know sometimes those those are the best theme songs that that, that really capture the feel of the film and capture the um, the atmosphere and everything. Which I think Adele did hers was quite good for that it kind of captured the feel of the film quite well I really feel like yeah Sia would be she wouldn't put anything out unless she was really you oh, know, she really believed in it yeah she'd want to be on set every day before she writes anything yeah cool yeah I really like that pick Sia not something I would have thought of myself you know that's why I love picks like that that, that, that take you off guard a little bit I, I would never really thought about Sia but really cool yeah yeah and I think yeah I've, I've must have heard so many people over the years try and sing Titanium at karaoke or whatever. <laughs> it's just, 
I just can't do it. Uh, it's not going to happen. This is, I always have, have a thing for people who write the songs. You know, like I love artists. I think they're all great. But as soon as I see someone I like, I go for a beeline to go, did you write that? Because there's so much more depth if someone's written it. The singer-songwriters are the ones that I tend to look for. Whereas what you'll find is the ones that are really popular all have writers in, in the background writing for them, mm. which, is not, which is not as good. The real essence comes from someone who's sit, sitting there and writing their heart out, writing you know about the feelings and emotions, and then recording it. That's the people I really like. Yeah, amazing. So nice to hear like yeah your passion for it and everything. That's yeah, that's amazing. So I guess now we open the open the floor up to what we call the AOBs, the any other bonds. This is a chance for anything else that you want in your bond yeah, film that we've not covered yet. Anything that characters, locations, gadget, you know, anything that we've not discussed. Yeah, locations, oh, don't talk to me about gadgets. We could talk about gadgets all day. That is, <laughs> one reason, that is one of the reasons I love Bond. Talking about gadgets, well, we need to utilise all the modern day tech that we have and then, um, and then just try and imagine that 10, 15 years down the line. You take all of the gadgets, basically take all of the gadgets from Black Mirror, the phones... <laughs> Yeah, you know, the eye thing, yeah. The eye, the transparent eye. The, take all of that amazing technology and just give it to Q. Just give yes. it to him and let him do what he needs to do with it. Because I think if you're going to have a modern day bond, you have to have a bond that someone can multiply. You know, you've got AI, you know, now, and, you know, could be a bit more advanced. Let's make it that bond, something's happened to him at Spy School. There we go. Spy <laughs> School's back again, you know. Can you incorporate some kind of technology within Bond, not just giving him a gadget? Can they incorporate some something happened to his arm or something this in his head? There could be something that just makes him a digital new age Bond. Does Bond need to go on his phone to check something? No. Why should he? He's Bond. Does Bond need to go on a laptop? No. iPad? No. He he should just be able to access that from his mind. And it's Q that gives them that technology. That's when it comes to gadgets, then you should be driving around in Teslas, souped up Teslas and everything, sh everything should be connected. Yeah. This bond yeah. as well, this bond as well, everything's connected, but this bond is not just a, a sophisticated man who can fight and, you know, look after himself. He's also connected. Um, like he can also code, you know, so if everything shuts down, he can, he can, patch it in and bring it back up if that makes any sense you know that so bond is not bond is on an intellect where it's like god the guy can code as well he can hack he can my what can what can't this guy do this is the modern day bond you know yeah i mean coding to me like i know that it's it's the big thing now it's in schools and like doing computing science and all that but i mean i started doing it in sixth year at school and i found it so boring did you? <laughs> I hated that. It is. It's funny that I'm actually making a film. I'm actually filming making a film just now, and it's about a little girl who can code. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure that wouldn't be boring, but <laughs> no. But but what it is, it's like it's kind of like imagine imagine eleven. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch um the Queen's Gambit? Yeah. 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 Imagine there's this little girl. She's a genius, and she's coding. By the age of 10, 11, she's shut down this and shut down that. Started off very friendly. Started off very just you know going on. Um, YouTubers and influencers accounts and deleting all of their followers or you know just starting off very friendly at six seven years old but she grows up and she's a genius kind of like Queen's Gambit and kind of like 11 from Stranger Things where 
is kind of a modern day superpower, but it's not a superpower. She just she shut down your house and phone and and then eventually goes out there and starts shutting down WhatsApp and Facebook and um, um, taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor. So kind of like an ethical hacker. So that's like, like a super modern Robin Hood. Like a super modern Robin Hood. That's exactly right. And she's got two, she's got an alias. Her alias is she's her hashtag is her tag name is Storm and her real name is is Myla. But she when she's coding she's Storm. But you would never know that this girl in pink is really the person that's shutting everything down. You know, so coding can only be cool when it's made in a when it's put in a movie because yeah, I think like. It- as much as we love Bond and the spy out in the field with his guns and his fighting, I bet like the majority of people who work for MI6 at the moment are sitting behind a computer, like coding and hacking and doing all that kind of stuff nowadays. I bet there's like so few that are actually out there. Yeah, actually in the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, because we think, yeah, of course. Anyway, Stuart Morrison. Yes. Would you mind summarizing Stuart's film for us? I would love to. What an honor. Um, so Stuart. Other Stuarts, you have as your James Bond, you've chosen Idris Elba as your co-star. You have Letitia Wright as your villain. You've gone for Tom Hardy, and Tom Hardy and Idris Elba are going to play two up-and-coming spies, maybe in spy school, fighting out for double O status, and it's never clear which one is going to ultimately get it right up until the last moment. Directing your whole film, you have David Fincher, and performing your writing and performing your theme song you have Sia. Your gadgets are going to be written, and the whole film, in fact, is going to be written by Charlie Brooker. A very brief summary of what was a very elaborate and incredibly well put together film. How does that sound? Sounds very good. Um, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that movie. It'd be great to see something like that. Amazing. I guess if anyone can can, can do it, Stuart, it's you. Oh, far far from... <laughs> a long way away there. Let's see how we get on with these these dramas. I guess our last question before uh, we let you get on with your evening is to ask you what you would call your Bond film. Oh, what would I call the Bond film? That's a good one. Not something we prepared you for, but good yeah. to hear your thoughts. So let's go through quickly the so the other Bond movie names. No time to die. Uh huh. Um, They're all kind of you know of a theme. Die another day. World is not <laughs> enough. Living daylights. License to kill. Live and let die. It could go on and on. Yeah, Fraser, do you have any thoughts to get us going? I had, uh, yeah, I've got a thought. It's not a very good one, but um, it's really just based on Tom Hardy's stare thing that he's got going on, that he stares past people, and it's called For Your Weird Stary Eyes Only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. pretty good. You know, like that. I'm trying to think of something where I don't know. That's I'm yeah. sorry. I, I I can't look past calling it something to do with spy school. I think we've referenced spy yeah. school yeah. so many times. Yeah, it has to be on Her Majesty's secret spy school or something like that. Well, so I, I was thinking. So I would play on. I would play on who is it or duo or something to do with who's Bond. Yeah, yeah like like some, something around the lines of like reflection or reflecting. The, I don't know. Hmm. That's it. Love's reflection. That's what I'm going to call it. I don't know why I'm just calling it that. So don't ask. Love reflection. Nice. Terrible one, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to say that, but that's terrible. That one. It has to do with something where they're looking. The the post the campaign will be them looking in the mirror 
yeah, Mirror could have like because Charlie yeah, Brooker's doing it. Like, could be like in a mirror, yeah. Has to be something like Mirror Raker. Yeah. Min- <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah, I don't know. I don't too sure. Okay. But we're gonna have to think. Let, let, let's have a think. Let's have a think about it. And, then and we'll let's uh, let's ask the listeners as well. If anyone listening at home has any good suggestions for Stuart's film name, let us know on Instagram. Let us know on Twitter. It's Buildabond007. If you have any thoughts on his film and you have any suggestions for a mirror reflection type theme Something. name, Stuart. If people are listening and they want to see more of your work or they want to see more about what you're doing at the moment, where can they find out more? Well, um, we are releasing the trailer for Black and Northern Irish next month. Um, and that's with Colin Salmon as the host. His wife is Northern Irish. His kids are Black and Northern Irish, so he's hosting it. That's a feature-length um, documentary. Um, platforms to be confirmed. It's bigger version and just it's got a lot more depth than Black, Black and Scottish because um, they feel, you know, they, not that they, they feel like outsiders, but there's not as big a black community in Northern Ireland. So that's coming out. And um, we also have Black and European coming out um, early next year. We've got some dramas um, on the way. And then obviously we spoke, I'm, I'm working on the Amazons and Nancy Boys behind the scenes, um, making of and some other work. So the next thing you'll see will be Black and Northern Irish. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and all of that good stuff. Perfect. Sounds good. I can't wait to see all your upcoming stuff. Um, Stuart, thank you so much for providing us with another great episode of this uh, this podcast. I love it. I have to recommend as many people to come and listen to it. And uh, yeah, I had a a really good time. I'm going to speak to Colin and apologise to him, but I'm sure Colin would love to to feature in something like this. This would be, be exceptional. But anyway, yeah. Maybe Colin can get his redemption by by coming on the show and doing his own builder bond. Yeah, maybe if um let me know and I can hopefully make that happen for you. That'd be quite exciting, and he'll I'm sure he'll just uh, be a, a really annoyed at me, but <laughs> he he can come on and not pick you as director. Not pick you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> no, I had great fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. What a belter of an episode. It was great, wasn't it? That was such a good twist. Who is Bond? I know. I I love the picks and everything, all the kind of normal stuff that we do, but I love the plot line that just kind of emerged as we were discussing it. What I liked about it was that a lot of those picks, I'm thinking particularly Tom Hardy, Idris Elba, David Fincher, re- you know, relatively common picks in terms of these are people that you know we talked about for the roles and, and are relatively big well-established names mm. but but the film did it not feel fresh, didn't it? yeah exactly it didn't feel like a sort of stale old bond film it felt like something different something unique and shout out to colin salmon as well yeah colin salmon and you were having salmon for your tea as well weren't you i know it's been a salmon filled evening <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we're going with I don't know where we're going with this. Uh, if you like salmon, don't forget to get in touch. It's Bill Bond 007 on all social medias. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that film. And of course, you can check out Stuart Tosimere on all his social media channels uh, and some exciting stuff coming up soon as well. Yes. I wonder at what point uh, Stuart's 
well, we don't really know who's villain and who's good. So I guess at what how, how long it's going to take in his film to introduce to the villain. To build that tension, you know, I wonder if it'll be the reveal right at the end, setting up the sequel. Yeah, yeah. That could that could be the longest wait in a film before the Bond villain is revealed. It could be, but you can't have that as your answer to our quiz question <laughs> for this evening. I think the longest wait is love reflection. So yeah, No Time to Die set a new Bond record for the shortest amount of time that passes before the main villain is introduced on screen. Can you tell me which holds the record? For the longest. So you said I could have five guesses. Yeah. The one that came to my mind straight away is Dr. No, because you don't see him like go right, right towards the end. So that's my first guess. Okay, so is that your number one? Is in the longest wait? Oh, so you want me to, to rank them as well? Sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, let's take that one number one. That's the first one I thought of. Okay. Um, the other one I thought of, which could, I'm not actually sure of, because in Diamonds Are Forever, there's all sorts of confusion about mm -hmm. who the villain is and someone's kidnapped and hidden away and you don't see them right till the end. I'm going to put Diamonds in Forever in there as well. Um, the ones that came up to me that I thought of were all kind of Blofeldy related ones because that's kind of his vibe. So I didn't put Spectre. I put Doctor No, Diamonds Are Forever. I put Skyfall because you don't really see um, Javier Bardem until relatively late on. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, I thought as well, again, a Blofeld one, but you don't see much of Blofeld till towards the end. And the other one was another Blofeldy one. They don't go to Blofeld's lair until you only live twice, kind of right towards the end. So I guess that one as well. Those are my okay. five guesses. So you're going them, right? number one, Dr. No. Number two, Diamonds Are Forever. Number three, Skyfall. Number four, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Number five, You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Okay. You've done pretty well here. Eventually. Yeah. So in fifth place, uh, unless let's, the easiest way to work this out is uh, as or to explain this is as a percentage of the film. Do you know what I mean? So like the you don't see the villain until X percent. Oh, I see. As opposed to time, where if the film's longer, then it's not really fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, at number five is the Living Daylights. Oh. Uh, and that's it. Forty percent of the film passes before you see the villain Brad Whitaker mm -hmm. in fourth place on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Well, I got I put exactly that in fourth place. Forty-five percent. Nice. In third place at fifty percent, Skyfall. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I actually only crossed that out at the last minute. I had Spectre there now. Oh. Second place, you only live twice, but you you had it in your top five. Did I? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 56%. Mm. And in first place, with a whopping 76% of the film before you meet Joseph Wiseman as Dr. No. Yes. I, I'll be honest, I was quite confident about that one. I did. Uh, I did think that one would probably be right. Uh, yeah. The rest, if I'm honest, were relatively guesses. Apart from the uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, I was kind of confident about that one as well. But the rest, I kind of guessed it very pleased with that's one of my yeah. best ever performances good guess oh, what a great end to a great episode yeah fantastic yeah that that brings us to the close doesn't it so goodbye for yet another week yes and i'll see you fraser and i'll see all of you lovely listeners next week